Shomrabyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Welcome back to the tiny room on Shomrabyug. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am joined by the man who is the Aeolus to my Hercules. It's Benjamin. I don't know. I don't get that reference. It's a bloody thing from the Hercules. Is he the little guy that little follows guy. him around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that guy. You know, he's a little kind of, he gets in a scrape. He gets, gets, in a, get in a, gets in a tight spot. Yeah. And then Hercules has to save him. That's our relationship summed up. But in podcasting. But in podcast form, where I make a slightly off color comment. Ben has trapped himself. He has to dig himself. <laughs> he has to dig me out. The yeah. music for the podcast. Very weirdly timed there that we this week, Ben. Uh, Benjamin, bloody, you know what's going on in the world? Very little. <laughs> well, no, in the world, lots is going on. But uh, in the world of popular culture, comic books, TVs, movies, and so on. In the Distractiverse. Yeah, very, relatively bloody little. Yeah, it's not a lot going on, Michael. Benjamin. Yeah. The Joker is out. It's it, We're not getting it until October 4th, right. Michael. There right, are several on. bones to pick with that. I have no idea why it's not out till October 4th, but it seems to be doing its its advanced screenings uh, overseas. In Venice? Uh, it, it had an old Venice release. Um, it's very good, apparently. Apparently. It's awfully good. Now, Ben, 83%, 86% Rotten Tomatoes score? It's a little bit higher now, score. it's 86, 86. Mm. 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 Now, Ben, who's seen that, though? It's critics, man. Yeah, it's critics, isn't critics. it? Mm. Isn't it? Mm. 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 See what I'm saying? Mm. Well, is the, it a cause for concern? The producer of the movie came out and said, I literally can't watch superhero movies. That's, to which people said, that's not factually accurate. That's now. worrying, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so it sounds to me like someone's made a, a little film now, an art house film about a psychotic clown. Yeah. And we've slapped a DC property name on top of it. That sounds like it might be what it is. Um, and that's okay. Um, as, as we said earlier on, Michael, in the podcast, that's that's the way it was always going to be. We've only been recording for two minutes. Oh, you mean like yeah, order, order, prior, prior, previous prior. episodes, Michael, right, previous yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. That's what we said. This is a, an out of canon adaptation there's not a hint not a hint of a Batman's well there might be at the end we'll make a little teaser maybe Batman will come up <laughs> maybe the final scene Batman kicking him in the side of the head he's on stage doing a stand up or something Batman's I'd, I'd foot just that. comes in and kicks I'd, him boom. in the side of the head I would enjoy that that'd be good yeah it I'd looks like it, uh, yeah but you know and I've read quotes from critics Ben that fill me with dread rather than excitement oh no for example things like this is the definitive version of the character uh, another version need never be made lies that's what I'm saying lies well I don't know if it is lies Ben well it's well again factually inaccurate well Um, well, one of the things that I'm enjoying is the internet kind of panic at the moment you don't frequent the reddit as often as i do michael i bloody do ben but i just look at warhammer stuff because i'm a nerd you are a nerd but you're a nice nerd oh, you're thanks, a good ben. nerd you're one of the good ones oh, thanks. one of the good thanks ones um you're very supportive nerd yeah i like nerds yeah you like to you like to um help little nerd cultures flourish uh, well in a, in a positive look, look, healthy ben, way i don't think that i can help the warhammer community flourish it's massive no it's mainly you have that's you done ever, all of it have you ever seen the animated shorts astartes they're incredible. We'll watch them later. Will we? Good. Yeah. Okay. Your, your favourite lads from the Corridor Digital Crew. I'd love the Corridor Digital Crew. They've been eschewing its virtues recently. It's a single, it's a it's a little web series animated. Everything was done by one guy and it looks like a Hollywood movie. Love it. 
I'll show you. We'll have a look at it later. There are some phenomenally talented people out there lurking around the internet. <laughs> yeah, I know. If Games Workshop doesn't hire him, they should be set fire to. Fair enough. Fair enough. What are no, we talking about? No better man for the job. What I was saying, Michael, was that a lot of people are very excited to see the movie, but simultaneously they're terrified because they know that a legion of neckbeards will espouse the virtue of this Joker and look up to him. Um, ah. And it's a rather interesting thing of it. just because um, a character is kind of edgy doesn't mean it's a role model for what you should do. Bloody Americans. Um, because that is what the last Joker representation on screen was uh, to gamers everywhere. Gamer, it, He has become a symbol for a, a rather toxic gamer movement called Gamer Gamers Rise Up. I don't know if you've... No, I haven't heard, heard of this. this. It's basically uh, a large, a largely... <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> a uh, large! I, I hit puberty yesterday uh, and my voice is cracking. It is a, a largely... I'm going to have to really focus on yeah, keeping that really depth of the voice Keep it low, Ben. Um, it is a largely white... <laughs> This is going to be a bad podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you're very close to hearing Ben's real voice. His off-air voice. Very high-pitched. Fuck you. <laughs> the only, one of the only things that I'm, I'm reasonably content with is my voice. Um, but they're a largely white, whiny community that goes on about how they're oppressed and how gamers are a very um, maligned demographic in society and blah, blah 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 but the Joker for some reason has become their mascot which Joker? Uh, Heath Ledger Joker Heath, ah so not Heath the Ledger Joker you've, you've done what the whole world wants to do and forgotten about Jared Leto yeah Jared Leto has been forgotten hasn't he? he's a popular cosplay character it's because yeah. I think it's because of Harley Quinn yeah they just want to see if they can get pictures with Harley Quinn at a convention <laughs> Jesus man. it's like well if I dress as him they have to pose with me yeah um, now you do make videos at Comic Con conventions Ben and yeah but I only girls. talk to the nice ones <laughs> um, anyone I've ever talked to at a convention is alright oh, very good and we, we quite quite frankly stay away from the see how you've done yourself do. out of a hole there like Eolus and Hercules that was very good uh, nice <laughs> nice um, but there's a, a little bit of a fear that he's going to be touted as a bit of a mascot again um, and someone put up a very helpful chart where they showed different characters that quite often people aspire to and they have to be reminded that they're not really very positive characters. Oh, go on. For example, a Walter White. Walter White was a baddie. Uh, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden was mad. Yeah, but it's quite these, these characters are quite often um, adopted as kind of role models and people who truly see the world for what it is and occasionally you have to remind them going, well, he's, he's a bit of a twat. Who, who should we look up to? And a nice person. Um, Michael of Michael and Leonard's podcast is a... Uh, <laughs> Michael and Leonard's. I just removed myself. 100, 115 episodes. This is how we, you tell me it's over. So I have to do both voices. Uh, um, what was I saying? Hercules uh, from Hercules the Legendary Journeys. Yeah, let's look up to the guy that murdered his own family and then not in Hercules the Legendary Journeys. What did he? What did he do in that? Uh, look, we'll talk about it later. Okay, so stop bringing it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what else happened this week? Uh, no, bloody Birds of Prey, Ben. Not a trailer per se. There's a Look secret trailer. Stills. There's a trailer going to be released in cinemas only. They're not going to put it on YouTube. Excuse me. Like the olden days. Like the olden days. Now, obviously, someone will be in there with a camera and they'll record it and they'll put it on YouTube on the first day. Very niche. So we don't need to worry about that. Yeah, we'll see it. Mm. We might see it in cinemas, Ben. We go to the cinema quite a bit. We, we, we'll end up probably seeing The Joker when it comes out. We'll probably mm. end up going to see Birds of Prey when it comes out. A Wednesday night cinema club. Ben, you've just found out 
in the last 20 minutes that Birds of Prey is a movie. Yes, now I'm very excited to see it. Um, it has a colour palette, Michael. Uh, I believe it's pronounced colour palais. <laughs> it has a colour palais, yes. Michel. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it's blue and red. It looks, looks very good. Again though, again, though, I'm seeing things saying, look at the characters. They're much more down to earth than their comic book. And I'm like, oh, no. I thought we got past this in the, in the early 2000s. And we said it's okay for characters to have their costumes. Not only okay, better. It, it does seem it does seem to be that Harley Quinn has, or rather Margot Robbie of Harley Quinn fame, mm-hmm. has had more control over how she dresses herself this time and hasn't been put in strangely um, Oedipal kind of daddy issue clothing, which is good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a nice thing to see that she's allowed to dress herself. I think the costume... Yeah, look, it, I think we've talked about this before, it's, but I've almost completely forgotten about it. Huntress looks like like a self-made vigilante tactical outfit. Yeah, which, which is cool. Is it? Is it? You don't bad? like it though. You like a costume. I like a costume. I I think we've we've gone through that phase of making everyone look like they've made the suit themselves, and it's practical. It's a real world pla- practical version of what they would wear. Feck that. Are you going to cosplay as Huntress if she does get a costume? Yes. Nice. I will. I will. Okay. I will. Yeah. I'll Looking get a wig. I'll get a wig. I won't shave my beard, though. <laughs> oh, yes. So you will probably become a viral sensation as a, as a gender-bent huntress. I yeah. don't think so. There's uh, a lot of very good uh, gender-bender cosplays. I think you could be up there, Michael. Oh, thanks, I Ben. Think, I right. think we could elevate you to the realms of pure gender-bent I, cosplay. I pr- appreciate that. Yeah. I'm not... This isn't going to become a thing. I really hope it does. <laughs> Are you really essentially does. bully me into dressing up as lady characters? No, you're your the own. one that bullies me into doing things, Michael, on the podcast. Remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's your role. Like Hercules and Eolus. <laughs> what I was very excited about mm. uh, was Ian McGregor is is going to be starring as, as an El Villain. If he has any bloody time, what, what with being in the new Star Wars series? What what with? Mm-hmm. What with? Which, which should be interesting. Mandalorian, can't wait. He's not in that. He's, he's not in, in that. He's in the Ben Kenobi thing. I know, but it'll be it'll be interesting. But he's going to be Black Mask. Yeah. Who's Black Mask, Ben? I'm not so, terribly familiar. Uh, Black Mask is Roman Sionis. Isn't he just Red Skull? Not dissimilar. He has a very different backstory. He's not a Nazi in any form. Oh, good. Um, Roman Sionis started out as a very B-list Batman villain. And he was basically the heir to a makeup fortune. Oh, like Sharon Stone. Yeah. Is that a thing? In the film Catwoman. Ah, thank you. Um, yes, it would be roughly similar to that, I suppose. And he be, he turned to a life of crime when his fortune depleted. Okay. Um, and he began to do bank robberies wearing a black mask. A black mask. mask black ma- um, so it's very simple. Um, it has later, his character has gone through several revisions. And mm-hmm. he's quite a sinister character now because he's a committed sadist. Oh. Um, and masochist He's got a and he has, mask. A, he has an interesting kind of BDSM angle in certain mm, comics no, no, no. Um, he enjoys torturing people to be Jesus oh what a bad um, bloke there's a famous example in War Games which is a now infamous notorious kind of Batman run where the city uh, falls apart due to a huge gang war and Black Mask is thought to be dead and he kidnaps Stephanie Brown Spoiler, who's Spoiler. another bat family adopted kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he tortures her horrifically, which is rendered out throughout the entire comic. Not a lot of off-screen hmm. violence there, off-panel violence. It's all very clear. And I remember distinctly reading it and developing a deep, deep hatred for Black Mask as a character. Oh, good. So, I suppose that could be looked upon as very good writing. Yeah. In that or, I hate him very, very much. Or a bit obvious. Um, And he uses that kind of sadism and commitment to become uh, a kingpin of crime in Batman series and he's now a huge threat he's he runs a lot of the crime 
in Gotham City, he and Oswald Cobblepot, better known as the Penguin, the Penguin, um, are often foes in gang wars throughout Gotham City. So he's a big crime lord now. He was the key antagonist in Batman Arkham Origins, the video game. Does he take his mask off? Uh, the mask, yeah. So in earlier versions, he could take the mask off. In later versions, um. He can't. It's fused to his skull. It's, like like, the it's more skull. of a skull. Yeah, it's more of a skull. I would imagine, because you can see Ewan McGregor maskless. Ewan McGregor. Um, that he will very possibly have this mask fused to his face at some point in the film and, and turn to a life of evil. A life of evil. A life of evil. Um, yeah, he's very. He's an interesting character. He makes for very interesting things. He becomes a huge antagonist of Red Hood when he comes back. Red Hood commits himself to taking down his organization. If they combined together, they'd be Red Skull. Yes, they would. No, you're, you're very hung up on your red skull. I can see as the red skull. He's just over your shoulder there. <laughs> ah, that'll do it. He is the. He is basically the the aesthetically uh, clone. The aesthetic clone of red skull. Red skull. Do you think that he's going to have a black mask on, and then Margot Robbie's going to hit him with a comedy oversized mallet, and then the mask will get stuck to his face? She does have a mallet. That's what I'm saying. Thing. I think she might do an acid joke. I think we might see an L classic acid she joke. Yeah, she's got a spray. It'll melt in, and we'll have the. You think? And then it's like, look what you did to me. You son of a bitch. I think you'd probably be very, maybe a little bit narcissistic. We might have a little bit of a narcissistic character arc. This is all utter, Apro- pr- utter ap- prediction. Apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing. But I think we'll probably see. He'll be very sleazy, I think. Because um, he's a sleazy character. He, like, he enjoys a sleazy character. He mm-hmm. plays them well. Plays them well. Ben Kenobi. Looking for <laughs> sleazeball. Um, one of, one of the internet's Mark most Kay. beloved Star Wars characters. And we just called him a sleazeball. That's yeah, going to cost us. Live in the cave on his oh, own. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, Coming to my cave. Why, it's me. I'm Ben Kenobi. I'm never sure if he's ironically loved by the internet or literally loved by the internet. <laughs> uh, who? Ben Kenobi. I don't know if they just enjoy the weird affectations that, that Ewan McGregor brought to that character or if he's genuinely beloved by the thing. It's hard. Sometimes you're, you spend a lot of time on Reddit and the line between what's loved ironically and what is quite lauded is... Very mixed up, Michael. You're, you're kind of left in limbo being like... People don't know, Ben. Do you like this because it's good or do you like this because you shouldn't? So what you're saying is get out of here, bloody Reddit. No, I'm... I'm well, Reddit is very toxic in certain corners of it. But they're now quarantining a lot of their heavily right-wing subreddits. Are they? Yes, much to the chagrin of many, many little neo-fascists. Oh, good. So the little baby neo-fascists are all up in arms. They're like, oi, <laughs> oi. Ben, you stop bringing your Reddit politics to this podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Bloody. If you're a fascist and you enjoy listening to this show, then good on you. <laughs> That's the end of that. <laughs> ben, you read a thing. <laughs> yes, I did. Speaking of Batman, that was a very impromptu breakdown of who Black Mask was. Um, do you want to wrap up on the Birds of Prey or do you want to keep going? No, no, no. no I don't really have anything on. to say about move it. Move on to the honest. next it's thing. Okay. It's a film that's going to be made. It's, we've become a DC fan cast this week. This will shut up the people who accuse us. This is to balance us. Yeah, we've yeah. been accused of being Marvel biased in the past. I am actually a committed DC fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to prove that... A tattoo. I have been reading another of the DC Black Label line um, that has been coming out. All of which seem to feature Batman. Because Batman. DC is just not taking a risk on yeah. any other character. Is in the that Black the one with label. Batman's willy? <laughs> No, um, that that has turned out to be a rather poor comic. Um, oh no! And it's been delayed. It's Libra Mayo. It's been delayed because Libra Mayo is a fantastic artist and does some really cool stuff. Um, I suppose that the Black Label is really establishing itself as an Elseworld series, but uh, an R-rated Elseworld uh, series, which I think was all the, always the intention. Um, but issue two of Bat Penis uh, featured a, a rapid. Do you know the Demon Etrigan? 
course I do. You, okay. Uh, for the listeners who aren't familiar, Bloody listeners, a, what's is wrong a, with you? Is a prince of hell who shares the body of a mortal called Jason Blood. And Jason Blood was a knight in the court of King Arthur. And Merlin cursed him to house the spirit of Etrigan, who's a, a fiery demon um, from hell. He's a prince of hell. And one of the interesting things in old medieval texts is that princes of hell rhyme all the time. Oh, they're not stopping. So, uh, Etrigan is the a NWA, rhyming demon. They're going to bring trouble your way. Exactly. It, it basically, if Mick had horns and could belch fire and rhymed all the time, that's that's Etrigan. He's a big, <laughs> muscly Thanks, demon man. that Appreciate pops it. up. You're welcome. Uh, he's a big, muscly demon. Red. He's he's very buff today, ladies and gentlemen, in the tiny room. I'm surprised we both fit in here I'm just with his impressive bulk. It's just a small um, t-shirt bin. Well, it looks good. looks good. I'm enjoying Thanks. I'm enjoying Thanks. the view all the time. Appreciate it. Um, but rather strangely, don't... <laughs> Michael's making very suggestive mouth movements across the screen that he's licking the top of the mic guard. It's very uncomfortable for everyone in the tiny room, uh, except for Michael. Etrigan! me. Um, Etrigan has been in this Elseworld series. He's been turned into a rapper. Oh, really? Which is very uncomfortable. No, like it's very that. bad rapping. I've, uh, I've spoiled your punchline there by it's, jumping the gun on Yeah, it's <laughs> 1980s. It's 1980s rap. It's like... Oh, like a gangsters... gangsters. Oh, I can, oh, never uh, that, so. oh, I know exactly what you're talking about in this kind of in my head the as well. I said a hip, 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 hop, that hip, one. Hop. And I went to hip, my hop, friend's house and stop. he made me dinner and I ate the dinner and it wasn't good. And exactly. then he said, why didn't you like the dinner? And I said, I've had better dinners than this. So, having bought the first issue of that, I didn't, uh, having bought the first two issues of that Bat Run, yeah. I haven't watched, that's Batman Damned, and I haven't mm-hmm. picked up the third one because I didn't enjoy the second one. But... I jumped over to the other one that they're doing, which is Last Night on Earth, which again is a Batman-centered series. So, Michael, I want to pitch you something here now. All right. In front of us. What's Imagine, that song called? Uh, Gangster's Delight? No. Gangster's Delight. Well, it's look, not, Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight, that's what it is. Thanks, Rapper's Delight. Um, we were close enough. Gangster's Delight. Gangster's Paradise, the Rapper's new, Delight. The new album from Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Shomer Bielgren presents Gangster's Delight. Um, but the new... So I'm going to pitch you a little, a little thing here. Imagine... For a moment, right. that you, Michael, Should are, I close my eyes? are a defender of the world, defenders of the earth. You're a defender of the earth, yeah, Michael. Right. One of one of the big seven that right. looks after the planet, yeah. And you have Shane is from another planet. Our friend Shane, your friend Shane, <laughs> and <laughs> your your good lady friend yeah. is is possibly from a, an island. Okay, um, she has a sexy she, costume. She has a sexy it's costume. About, about bloody time. <laughs> okay, we're getting wildly off course here. Um, and Jim can run really fast. He can, etc. He's, he's okay. surprisingly quick. And let's say yeah. that you come up against a group of villains yeah. and the villains challenge you to a debate. Right. Um, and one of the villains is very well, ben, intelligent. Famously, I'm a master debater. You are a master debater. It's true. But um, this has nothing to do with your private time, Michael. This is something that you would have to do in front of a crowd. Very good. Uh, it probably wouldn't stop you. No. But uh, you have a debate and he manages to turn the tide of public opinion against you and your friends. Right. And they rise up. Yeah. Not like gamers, just in general. Yeah. And they overthrow the heroes and then... Yeah. The villains use this opportunity with the heroes gone to take over the planet, but they fucking muss it up. Yeah. Um, and you, Michael, were Me. one of the first to fall in a hugely heroic act yeah. where you attempted to hold back a storm of people and were then ripped apart for your efforts. Oh, Jesus. I know, it's awful. But then you wake up, Michael. Yeah, it was all a dream. Uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Uh, <laughs> you a demon. Be gone, demon. Be gone. Out of the tiny room. And 
Then you yeah. find yourself wandering the wasteland and you find in this wasteland, wasteland? there's a wasteland now because the world <laughs> has fallen apart. Right. And you find in a jar yeah. one of your greatest enemies. You. But it's only my head. It's yeah. me, Michael. And you are forced to wander the wasteland with me nattering in your ear as you see what's become of your world. Yeah. This is the plot of Batman, <laughs> Last Very Night good. on Earth. Um, he wakes up. Oh, wait, he doesn't wake up in that world. He wakes up in a simulation that Alfred has tried to put together. And it turns out that you're a failsafe. You're a clone of the original Michael. So oh. The original Michael died, but in this case, it's Batman. And a younger Bruce Wayne wakes up in a simulation and he decides he has to go and try to save the world. Right. It's a completely different world to what you would have thought. Heroes have kind of carved out um, different areas. It's a little bit like a copy and paste of what Marvel did with Old Man Logan. Where the okay. villains have carved up the planet, yeah, yeah. but it's a little bit more interesting that there's a lot, there's a much stronger horror element to this than there was in Old Man Logan, and it, basically he finds the Joker's head in a jar, and the Joker's head for some reason is still alive, so he has to carry it through the wasteland to try and find some way to bring back order to the world. But, um, but it's a simulation. No, no, it, he. Sorry, I should have explained that a little bit closer. The, the simulation, the, the wasteland is real. The simulation. He woke up in a hospital, and it seemed like he was mentally ill for his entire back career. Right. Um, and that was all mental illness. But this was Alfred trying to construct something that would make him happy, um, and keep him safe. Right. But it wasn't true. Uh, and he woke up out of that simulation. Then he takes up the charge of of saving the world again. And it's a whole thing. It's by Scott Schneider and Greg Capullo, who have famously written some of the the, the best Batman's of the last 10 years I suppose mm-hmm. um, and it's much more in their line of DC metal and it's a bit of a roller coaster, Michael because you get to see very horrific versions of the villains the villains have been augmented into kind of body horror eldritch kind of things it's very interesting Michael it's something I think you'd enjoy reading oh it's, it's bit, good this is turning to positive I thought this was no no this is, this is something I've been quite enjoying now I'm enjoying it with a pinch of salt because it is Dark Knight's metal pushed to an nth degree Mm. Uh, not unlike Nth Metal which is very popular in the DC Universe Swish Bloody Hawkman's wings Bloody Hawkman's wings his, his bloody his mace yeah. um, bash 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 um, I did a little mace movement you did there. yeah I have enjoyed it but it's a very interesting read Michael horrific in certain places a lot of existential horror uh, going on what is the point of a hero in a void that doesn't need them yeah. dire decisions are made uh, Wonder Woman moves a vast amount of the population she makes a deal with Hades in Tartarus and has agreed to move much of our population there to keep them safe. Mm. Um, Bane and Scarecrow are a strange duo. Oh, it's, it's great. And one of my favorite things about it is the bizarre road trip buddy scenario that the Joker's head and Batman have throughout the entire series. It's great to see Joker just doesn't shut up and it's just incessant. And it's a little bit like this podcast, Michael. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that's it's a it's a great thing, and it got me thinking, Michael. What did it get you thinking about? And it got me thinking. What did it get you thinking about? About my favorite dream teams, my favorite on-screen duos. I thought to myself, do you know what I hate doing a podcast with Michael? But you know what makes <laughs> me think it might be fun is this dream dream between Batman and the Joker. So it got me thinking, Michael. Go on, what did it get you? This week's about? topic will be yeah. Bloody dynamic duos on screen. The, Dream teams. Ben, speaking of, we forgot a piece of news. Oh, no. But look, your segue... No, no, go on. Your back, seg- no, no but your segue leads into it perfectly. Uh, one of the things from DC from uh, D23 that was announced was that Gemma Chan and Kit Harrington are going to be playing Cersei and Black Knight in the Eternals movie. Who's the Black Knight? Black Knight is Dane Harris. Is that his name? He's an Arthurian knight who has a cursed sword. Not Etrigan. 
No, right. he's a cursed sword, not a cursed rock. Okay, good for him. But Gemma Chan is playing Cersei. Gemma Chan, who is already in universe. Yeah, already. I think Disney's just Minerva. mucking around. They're, I don't know what they're playing at. Disney's also, just having a muck around. Cersei, if you remember, Ben, we thought would be, clearly would be Angelina Jolie. But no. No, they've cast a different lady as the kind of sex pot. Is Cersei the matter manipulator? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, who's your favourite dynamic duo, Ben? You son of a bitch. So we were, we were thinking about... Other than us. Uh, we were thinking about different things. Um, we, we put it out to our, our fan base there on, on Instagram. <laughs> fan base is unfair. The, the six or seven people that listen to us on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and we got some very good suggestions. Uh, there are a whole list of things to go through here. But one of the ones that I found very interesting was K&J from Men in Black. That was one that I came across myself doing a little bit of research for this one. And I was like, why Why would people call that one of the best on-screen duos of all time? But when you break it down, it has it down. all the great hallmarks of a great on-screen duo. On. First of all, to make a great on-screen duo, you can't have two crazy characters as the duo. It doesn't really work as well on-screen. Um, you need what's called a straight guy or yeah. a straight man. Yeah, me. Now, There's no gender politics. <laughs> it's nothing like that. We're not doing anything weird. Um, and then you need your kind of loose cannon over yeah. the top crazy character and then those two play off each other and if they do it well it makes for a very memorable duo uh, yeah it's very like the, the original duo. odd couple yeah it's a great it's a great example uh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon mm. um, great movie if you haven't seen that one check out the odd couple uh, the original not the weird Matthew Perry TV series that they remade um, it's bizarre with Matthew Perry from Friends yeah Hmm. He was in a TV reboot of that. Not a bad series, but you know, off track. Um, Back on track, Ben. Back on track. Great. So um, you have Tommy Lee Jones, Mr. Tommy Lee Jones, who talks like this all the time. Uh, I didn't kill my wife. I didn't kill. I don't care. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was it's, Harrison uh, Ford. You were Harrison Ford. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> two horse. There. Two horse. But um, so he is straight laced. Yeah. Um, he's the veteran. He's been doing Men in Black stuff for ages. He used um, to be Josh Brolin. He used to be Josh Brolin. He used no, he didn't. He did. <laughs> he, didn't. he was Josh Brolin <laughs> in, the, in the prequel. In, in that universe, yeah. yeah. That's a bizarre thing um, that we got to see. And then you have, of course, Will Smith at the height of it. Peak 90s Will Smith, yeah. where he was the god of blockbusters. and also just probably a demon. Also possibly a demon. Because he loved to rhyme. He's always rhyming. He loved to rhyme. Um, and he's just a great character. He's got all this energy. He's kind of a ridiculously over-the-top character. His wardrobe in Men in Black is fantastic. It is black peak coming. 90s hip-hop kind of just flair. It's amazing. And watching those two play off each other is great. Kay is always completely calm. And Jay is always in full panic. Oh, it's bloody panicking. When he realizes different things. And it's great because you get to see this amazing chemistry where they have a couple of dick jokes in there. Kay Do has they? a big gun. And Jay gets the cricket and he's like, I'm going to need something bigger than this. And he's like, and he's like, no, you won't. And he's trying to explain that it's fine. It's not, it's not the size that counts. You got all your little jokes and it's, oh, it's just peak 90s stuff. You wouldn't get away with that these days, Michael. Jokes about um, Willie's are the best. Jokes are great. Uh, <laughs> as a general statement. But you get to have this fantastic dynamic of one guy being dragged into this world. Mm -hmm. So we have, our, we have our viewpoint in terms of Jay. And then we have our veteran who gives us kind of an anchor point of... of just how bizarre this world can be and then we have the panic the audience panic of Jay just being like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god his head just blew up he just shot his head off and it's like it'll be fine it'll grow back. back it's Tony Shalhoub it'll grow back yeah it's Tony Shalhoub 
nailing it as a bizarre alien. Um, and I went back and I had a watch of the old man in black. Did you? Uh, specifically for this. And it's just it's just fun to watch them on screen, Michael. It's a good film, isn't it? They're a great pair. Like, best, oddly, one of the best 90s blockbusters that doesn't get enough credit. It's just a very well-written... I think it does get a lot of credit. Oh, does it? Okay. Doesn't it? Like, it's really, if you talk about 90 blockbusters, you're going to be talking about Men in Black. You should be, though. It's great. And I think probably why the sequels don't do very well is you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Twice. And it just doesn't go as well. Men in Black 2 is pretty good. Is it? it yeah. Again, it's pushed. I think the glimpse we got into that world. Like, I think what people forget about Men in Black, this is quickly becoming a Men in Black fan cast, by Go the way. ahead. Go ahead. But I think what people forget about Men in Black is it's perfectly narrated and tied up beautifully with a little, little bow at mm. the end where... Kay has to retire. Yes. Um, and you get this really nice catharsis of Kay being neuralized. Mm-hmm. It's a neuralizer, by the way. That's the little thing that they hold yeah, up it's to people. It's for, it's for the other people. It's not for you. It's Michael. for the listeners. It's for the listeners. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so that he's neuralized and he's get to, he gets to go back to his life before he had to be part of this world. Mm-hmm. And it's just really amazing. Vincent D'Onofrio is a fantastically bizarre villain in this. Like, if you ever want to see Tuckeroach. how much... Vincent D'Onofrio commits to a role. Oh, man. Watch him pretend to be a giant cockroach stuffed into a meat suit. Yeah. And you believe every single time he moves on screen, you're like, yep. I think Vincent D'Onofrio is the greatest actor of our generation. Very possibly. Because he plays a big giant cockroach. He plays a slightly mentally disturbed private. He plays that creepy guy in the cell with Jennifer Lopez. He plays the kingpin. and. It's like four different people. He nails them. He transforms every time. Yeah, and then Ben Affleck, widely regarded as the greatest actor of our generation, is he? He's just isn't he? He's just always playing Ben Affleck. He's just, I think that was a, I think that was a big jump there. Michael. What if Ben Affleck was Batman? Oh, I don't want to see that. No, well, Thank God we late. don't have to see it ever again. again. Eh? Um, but yeah, so I think what people forget is that movie was self-contained and mm-hmm. wrapped itself up neatly with a bow and I think something that spoils Man in Black 2 for me is it undoes that really nice ending in the first one by bringing Kay back now you need Kay back because Tommy Lee Jones does this amazing job as this unfazed super agent mm-hmm. who's just like yeah. and one of the things that irked me about Men in Black uh, 3 Men in Black, Black International 3 Men in Black International Men in Black International was that everyone goes on about Liam Neeson as one of the greatest agents in the agency's history and I was like where's where's Kay why where's is Kay? nobody mentioning Kay because Emma Thompson is back Yeah, and Emma Thompson and Kay have a little uh, flirtation in Men in Black 3 Josh Brolin and sexy British lady who is the sexy British lady who is plays it, who plays young Emma Agent Thompson? M I don't know I can't remember is it Alice Eve could be Al- oh that's exactly who it is. Is it Alice Eve? Oh, look at you. Is it? That's exactly who it is. It's Alice Eve. <laughs> that was a bit of a guess there. Look, could you swish over there from just, Michael Leonard? I am bloody pop culture knowledge, Ben. You are. It just comes out of my pores. You are. But I it, hope it's right. <laughs> I think, yeah, so do I. In one of the testaments to that on-screen duo is when Josh Brolin takes over yes. as a younger K, he plays Tommy Lee Jones K. He's yep. just pretending to be Tommy Lee Jones and it works. One of the only things that works in that Men in Black 3 film yes is the on-screen relationship between K and J it still works because those two characters have been perfectly balanced as a straight guy uh, per- it is Alice and it, yeah you were right <laughs> um, he's patting himself in the back there ladies with those tremendously worked out guns in that tight little t-shirt Ben stop fetishizing me it's no, freaking me it's out. too late um, what are you saying um, the but, baddie the baddie is no after the stretch the baddie is too similar to the cockroach in, in three. three, yeah. Germain Clement's body is again, too similar. They're trying to capture lightning in a bottle again. 
and they did a relatively good job in Men in Black 2. Big change of villain, big change of thing. And again, I think what spoils it is Men in Black 1 and Men in Black 2. Let's take them as two separate examples. Which one ends with the universes of Marvel and which one ends with the universes of Universes of, of Marvel is Men in Black 1. Right. That's what makes it so entertaining is this huge existential kind of thing and you can open a locker and you see a different world. Well, is that two guys. though? Because one of them ends with the universes of Marvel, one of them ends with the universes of Locker. Yeah, Men in Black 2 is universes of Locker. Is it? Men in okay. Black 2 is universes of Locker. Um, and Men in Black What's 1 Men in Black is 3, then? Marvel. Men in Black 3 is just a universes romp through time. Universe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, universe is universe. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the things that's, that's great about it is 1 and 2 adhere to their own logic. Right. K is a really respected agent. J is rising through the ranks. And we don't change too much of that characterization and you get to see it twice. Mm-hmm. What makes it even better is there's a nice change of villain. Uh, you get a little bit more of Kay's backstory. You get to understand exactly what he's been doing for Men in Black all those years mm-hmm. and why he needs to be brought back makes a lot of sense. One of the things that annoys me about Men in Black 2 is they got rid of the coroner, who was a great character in the first one. I can't remember that actress's name, which is very unfair. Um, but they kind of get rid of her character. She's just wiped off the slate. There's a coroner in Men in Black yeah, 1. Yeah, in Men in Black 1. It's the, the sexy lady coroner that Jay kind of has a little flirtation with, but then she ends up being his partner at the end of Men in Black 1 because Kay is gone. Oh, I don't remember. So Will Smith gets a new partner. But she's a very good actress in this. Um, and it's, again, an interesting choice for Men in Black 1 because she's not a love interest. She's not there as a love interest. Whereas Rosario Dawson is relegated to the realm of possible love interest. Linda Fiorentino. Linda Fiorentino. That's it's who it bloody is. Linda Fiorentino. Bloody Linda Fiorentino. From and she does, she does an amazing job in that film. The funny thing about her is she looks a lot like Lara Flynn Boyle, who plays the villainess in Men in Black 2. Maybe that's why they got rid of her. I don't know. Might have been. Um, it might be too maybe similar. Maybe it was too much of a class. But mm-hmm. Laura Flynn Boyle plays a, a great, very different villain. It's a very tight, different type of villain. Whereas Men in Black 3 goes back and tries to... Copy. The cocky roach exactly and it, it doesn't work because they knew they didn't have a strong enough villain they were like oh we need something a little bit body horror-y a bit like this but and they also cast Nicole Scherzinger for the trailers bizarre mm. bizarre Nicole Scherzinger who has amounted to very little in pop culture history <laughs> she's on a uh, bloody she was on a yoga dad voice or something or something like that she's gone now she's been Has she's she? been replaced a long time ago uh, but what I meant to say was one of the things that annoyed me about Men in Black International which I also saw recently oh, is this really is a Men in Black fan yeah, Go on. this is the last part they completely <laughs> wipe all the American history out of the way and they create this new villain that yeah. turns out as a universal threat the Hive who we've never heard about well, that's, previous to this that's every I know, sequel isn't it but now? I think that's very messy storytelling I don't like it it's, it's really inconsistent every every anyway K and J, one of my favorite on-screen duos. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. In recent Marvel history, we've had quite a few examples. And if anyone takes a look at the Instagram there, you'll see that our our post posing this question to the people who follow the Instagram uses Valkyrie and Thor from a thing, which is a great addition in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, I didn't think so. Okay, never mind. I I like Valkyrie and I like Thor. I don't think they make a great duo, though. I think the best duo there was Valkyrie and Hulk. Yeah, they were nice. They were nice. Or Thor and Hulk. I didn't think Valkyrie and Thor were a great... And I don't even know. Fine. I don't think did they have more than thirty seconds on screen together in Thor in in Endgame. I think they have a, a combined on screen time together of probably about three and a half minutes. Fine. <laughs> it's a good picture though. Thor and Loki then. Thor and Loki is much better, Ben. Good shout. Yeah, there we go. Off you go. That Thor was Loki. given to us by your good lady friend. Oh, was it? Oh, she's quite sharp. Yeah, Has Thor, and Loki, Thor and Loki is a good uh, a good combination of. Uh, Again, different characters. 
Although, funnily enough, Loki usually plays the straight man in that he's not being funny. That's a that's a new that's a relatively new development though, where Thor is like a big Labrador mm-hmm. and Loki plays a cat. Yeah, basically. that's the way I've seen it described, and I thought that was a very good analogy yeah. for the two. Thor is just a giant Labrador, and Loki is a jaded cat. Yeah, the cat dog. Yeah, it, exactly, and it works a little bit like that, and it's very entertaining. I think Taika Waititi did a fantastic job of really putting more energy into that relationship where you believe that they're rival siblings and don't get me wrong the relationship was well built but it was a little bit melodramatic in Thor 1 well the whole the whole of Thor doth mother know thou wert her drapes yes exactly um, it's a little bit like that and it's a little bit over the top and it's the same with Thor 2 it's very melodramatic when Loki pretends to, to die in Thor 2 and it's like oh brother oh, oh brother and, but then we transition from that to well well is he well, is he dead um, he's died before yeah and I think it's a testament to Chris Hemsworth Chris Hemsworth seems to have a great ability to bring chemistry to any on screen relationship that he has to be in uh, with just a couple of hotheads you and I I don't know though oh. because he's, he's, I'm not I, shoot me down I shoot you down because I don't I think that what we all thought was going to be great about Men in Black International was going to be Thor and Valkyrie on screen together and I didn't really love them as a combination of what what were their names what do you mean what were their names what were their names in in bloody Men in Black, Black International P and Q can't remember should have been P and Q yeah because it's British it's very P's and Q's yeah, mind your P's been, and Q's that would have been very clever yeah. but whatever their names I think she was J wasn't she wasn't she in she was a J equivalent yeah. but was she called J I can't even remember I don't know if they replaced her I really wanted Will Smith to do a cameo on Men in Black International oh he only did a cameo on a picture by, by the end of it I'm glad that I didn't yeah. have to see him in it because yeah. I think he would have so I don't think they were a great on screen duo to be honest fine you it know, doesn't matter. Men in Black International is not getting a <laughs> sequel anytime no, soon, so we don't have to see any more of that. But, Benjamin. Uh, yes, go on. Some of my favourite on-screen duos. Off you, off you pop. Due to my vintage, Ben. Some of my favourite. You are vintage. Exactly. Some of my favourite on-screen duos come from the period of television, which I think will go down in history as Kiwi exploitation or New Zealand exploit. Zeploitation. Zeploitation. Zeploit. No, that's not that great either. Zexploitation. Zealand exploitation. I think Kiwi exploitation was the best one. Yeah. Uh, the, the period of the early to mid nineties, where every TV show was filmed in in New Zealand, and was sexy for some reason. Why not? So Ben, in celebration of dynamic duos, I watched the first two episodes of Bloody Hercules: The Legendary Journey. No. Yeah, because is that where all those references were coming from? Remember, it's a throwback. Uh, because Ben one of my favourite on screen duos when I was put a pup was Hercules and Aeolus nice and like you said Hercules is the straight man yes because he's you know he's good and he's kind and unlike unlike the legend her Hera doesn't drive him mad and he kills his own family good she just directly kills them okay they, they, they take out that very very irksome moral complex of a man murdering his own family they whitewash Hercules as a character yeah he doesn't have any of the flaws of Hercules he's not a drinker or a gambler what's the point then or a or a braggart he's just a bit of a Jesus in a schmuck Jesus in a schmuck he's Captain America in ancient Greece but it's really New Zealand Um, fair it's he's a he's a bit of a boring character to be honest. But so that's he, that that actor has specialized in boring characters for his Kevin entire Sorbeau. career. Kevin Sorbo, who is now a hardcore Christian, hardcore and you Christian. will only see him in, in Christian, Christian films. Yeah, uh, well, you can like Hercules and Xena both went Christian towards the end of their runs. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I didn't they, know that at yeah, all. They both ended up 
veering into Christian mythology. How did Lucy Lawless handle that? She doesn't strike me as a very... Well, like, look at... Any mythological thing ends up veering into Christian mythology when it's produced in a Christian country. Look what happened to Supernatural. Yeah, that became very... No, it's not very Christian. Very Christian-centric, though. But it's based a lot around angels and demons and and God and... And theoretically, that's not the dominant religion that well, would rule that. Well, in the Hercules and Zeno thing, the the Christians are seen as a new invading religion. But look, they're they're very fast and loose with history anyway. Mm, those shows. I would imagine so. But Aeolus, Ben, yes. he's played by a guy called Michael Hurst. He's a little tiny guy and he gets in scrapes. Okay. If, if Michael Hurst was 15 years younger, he definitely would have been in Spartacus, which is kind of a modern example of New Zealand exploitation. <laughs> For sure. Big sweaty men bashing each other. Yeah. Now, Ma- Michael Hurst is a screenwriter. I can't find the actor. <laughs> it's, that might be him. He. It's not him, surely. I think that is him. <laughs> no way. I think that is him. <laughs> he was probably about fifty. He was like a young. Oh, fi- okay. Hang on. Let's. Hang on. Or, or or I'm getting his name wrong. But um. Uh it's Michael Hurst with a U. The hell? What's it, what's it? That oh. was Michael Hurst with an I. Right. Okay. This is Michael Hurst. It's a little bit, little bit like a bargain bin Alan Tudyk. Or a he has a touch Alan of the, Tudyk. Yeah, he has a touch of Alan Tudyk's about him. Aww, he, they look, very happy look, at, look at him, he's so small. It is like the start of every gay porno. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. He is very, uh, he's very New Zealand camp, isn't he? Yeah. But, yeah, he's the one who gets into scrapes then. And he's the one who gets, yeah, exactly. Good image. He, he... He he drives the plot forward a lot of time because Hercules doesn't do stupid things. So if you need like a, a seductive lady character to seduce someone, they'll seduce him, and then he'll go off and get Hercules in trouble. Because Hercules is too good. Because Hercules is too good, and he you wouldn't know, fall for such a ruse. Honoring his wife's memory and whatnot. Oh, for feck's sake! But anyway, yeah, she's no, dead. Hercules, get your leg over. They're great. They're very funny. They're very good. Together. Good pairing. But you know what's a funny thing? This is a, un, totally unrelated. I watched the second episode of. Um, Hercules. Actually, the eighth aired, but the second filmed. It's almost irrelevant. But, Ben, you know your desire to see famous actress Lucy Liu dressed up as a kind of sexually exploitative Chinese princess running around the forests of New Zealand pretending that it's Greece. You promised me that you would stop reading my diary before the podcast. <laughs> like, this desire that you have sometimes hinders your functioning in real world life. Look, it's just, a, it's a strong thought. It comes along and it throws me off balance. What you should do is watch the second episode of 1994's Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. Because I was, quite frankly, Ben, shocked. Taken aback. I couldn't believe it was Lucy Liu. And I have to look this up on my phone now as well. Lucy Liu is in the second episode of Hercules, The Legendary Journeys as a kind of sexy, exploited princess. And it's it's very entertaining. She does a terrible martial arts on people. She's in love with a, a oh, guy. There called, she is now. There she is. Look at her. Oh, she's, young. she's she's sliding up Hercules back there. Oh yeah, she gives him a little back rub. Uh, ben, there isn't a woman in that show not in a bikini. It's so exploited. Oh, there she is it? now in a bikini. Look, there she is. Yeah, she she is. That's there what she, she wears now. for the whole episode, day or night. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Fuck's um, sake. Speaking of Kiwi exploitation, any other ones that you came across there? Bloody Ben, you can't watch Hercules: The Legendary Journey without going and having a look at Xena, because Xena has one of the most iconic on-screen duos of all time. Oh, look, they've got Xena and that Zena, other one. Xena and Gabrielle. <laughs> so, Ben, I've done you a favour by watching probably the best episode of Xena. Yeah. Which is from season one. It's called... Lucy Lawless is very attractive sometimes. I she? didn't find Lucy Lawless very attractive. I think she has small eyes. But, you know, I don't like commenting on people's appearance. 
No, you're Except m- yours. You're a much better man than I. She's got big eyes there in that gif. Mm. It's probably a filter. Um probably the most popular episode Zena Snapchat of, one. Yeah. Probably the most po- popular episode of Zena was called Callisto. Callisto being the famous figure of Well, Callisto is a, is a very popular character in Xena played by the actress Hudson Leake. And she's kind of an evil Xena. I have to keep looking at this. Then you'll you'll see that you'll see, you'll understand why I enjoyed it when you take a look. But look, big eyes, Michael. She there's a touch of the Michelle Pfeiffer's about her. Let's ah, just say. Okay. Um, she Callisto is uh, kind of a product of Xena's past. Jesus. And <laughs> she's Zena. exactly like a young Michelle Pfeiffer. You you have such a type. Leave me alone. Stop bullying me. <laughs> Such ah, a bu- come on, Michael. You're such a bully. You literally got a big sexy Get rid of that. lady. Get rid of that. Don't be showing that to me, Ben. I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> oh, please put this in the video. People need to see. Oh, goodness. She's she's filled with arrows there. What's, yeah, well, what's that about? She's immortal at one point, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, Ben, let me there talk she is about... She's in front of some fire. <laughs> yeah. Look at her. She's a bloody... Oh, Pink, she would have made a great dark Supergirl. I think, that woman yeah. is like a perfect dark Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Um, stop just staring at the lady, Ben. <laughs> Let's Keep talk. Going. Remember, we do a podcast. It's not I'm, just I'm about busy. people's appearances. I'm busy. Um, What's the saying? Yes, she's a product of Xena's past. <laughs> when Xena was a warlord, she burnt down her village. But Xena always made her point never to hurt women or children. She only fought, killed men and warriors. Sexist. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, her, the village burned down as a kind of accident. Oops. So Callisto has grown up to hate Xena. Fair. And she's become a kind of warrior queen herself. 44 minutes. Good for she's her. She's become a warrior queen herself. And she raids the countryside, killing villagers and letting some survive and telling them she's Xena. Oh, no. So it's Xena's, she's Xena's own dark past personified come back to haunt her. Oh, I like that in the story. Isn't that interesting? I like, I like reaping what you sow. It's a, a very good a episode. And then Gabrielle, Ben, functions as Xena's kind of conscience because... You know what I mean? In the way She's that a foil. In the way that Hercules is kind of a stoic, boring guy, and Aeolus is the comedy and the crack like. getting in trouble. Xena is uh, kind of emotionless, not facing up to reality, hard bitten character. And Gabrielle is the kind of softer, more innocent, sapphic love interest. There's, you don't really get that in season one. I think that gets leaned into a lot more in later seasons. She's she's a way to express emotions. Fair. The the episode Callisto is the first episode where Zena cries. Oh. Because Gabrielle is making her say, You're not your past. Don't you be listening to that bitch. Don't you listen to a word that young one says. Don't saying. listen to that sexy lady. You don't she's listen to her. She's only nailed tired. What do you listen yeah. to her for? She doesn't know what she's talking any about. Any other iconic duos? Uh, I mean, we had several wonderful suggestions. And one of the ones that I enjoyed the most there was uh, Indiana Jones and his father, Dr. Jones, in Dr. The Last Very Crusade. Good. Yes. And we named Who's him after from? the dog. Is that from Geek and Son? Uh, that's from another iconic Geek and duo. Son. Uh, another iconic duo. Great podcast if you fancy listening to it. But yeah, we had a... We had a suggestion from Geek and Son of uh, Jones and Dr. Jones uh, Indiana Jones and Dr. Jones from The Last Crusade and it's, it's a great pairing it's, it's a really unusual thing to see and wh- one of the things that I really like about that relationship is how little both those men know about their father or son respectively um, and it's a really nice movie in that both of them start to see each other in a new light um, and I, I quite enjoy it as a thing um, plus it gave us the iconic uh, no ticket scene 
Yeah. You know, where he's like, don't move, dad. And he's like, and he's having the whole thing. He's like, oh my God. Of course, another iconic duo recreated that scene. Jay and Silent Bob. Jay and Silent Bob recreated that. No ticket. The only line in the entire Jay and Silent Bob for Silent Bob. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite. No, sorry, that was Dogma. It was in Dogma. It was Dogma, you're right. Yeah, that's my mistake, not yours. Uh, You just said Jay and Silent Bob. I I made it the movie. One of my favorite off-color jokes in that is where they've both slept with the same woman and not realized it. How did you know she was a Nazi, Dad? And he's like, she talks in her sleep. And you'd see Indiana Jones slowly go, oh, 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 oh Dad. Oh, no. <laughs> Sean Connery isn't much older than Harrison no, Ford. Uh, he's not I mean, at all. Who was way too close, realistically. Um, but I quite enjoyed the fact that it works all that, all mm-hmm. the same. Uh, one of the one of my favorite things is how uh, Sean Connery takes down uh, an airplane with a flock of seagulls while quoting the Bible. I think. Yeah, he shoots them up in the air and. Um, I don't know. It's nice to watch that relationship grow where you see both men kind of recognizing because they have quite a distant relationship at the beginning of the film. It's set up great with that interesting kind of prologue to the the title sequence where you see his difficult childhood and how his father doesn't really have time for him and stuff like that. You learn over the course of the movie that's because their mother died and it was hard for them to have. I don't know. It's a very well-written father-son relationship with mutual respect. There's no snap respect either it's a gradual build I think it's a really well written duo and they're great fun to watch comedically they bounce off each other in a great way friend of the podcast Gareth said Tango and Cash it, no, well, I think he was joking he was but Tango and Cash were responsible for one of the greatest ever ends of a movie of all time which is I haven't seen they do Tango a really awkward high five. Oh, nice and then it gets captured in a in a movie still and then turns into a newspaper article, I think. Oh, I'll show you later. It's absolutely God. brilliant. Um, he did give us some more serious suggestions after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Lauren Hardy, of course. Lauren Hardy, like the great, one of the all-time great on-screen duos. Um, and then what was the other one? The Dude and Walter. The Dude and Walter is probably one of the most iconic duos you will ever come across. Interesting, again, in that it's reluctant. Um, that friendship seems to be far more born out of laziness than it is out of... Of any kind of like kinship. this bloody bud, bloody like podcast. This bloody podcast. Bloody gotcha. There's not a day that I wish that I hadn't said no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean that's an interesting thing. Where and again, it's a great example of two opposites bouncing bouncing off each other very well. Like Walter is the the Vietnam vet, and the dude is a committed lazy pacifist. I don't think he's a pacifist because he believes in peace. I think he's a pacifist because too much effort to be anything else. He's not doing anything. Another um, suggestion, Ben, we had from Polka Dot Sundays was Bloody Mabel and Tipper from one of our favourite shows, Gravity Falls. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some fantastic writing in general. Probably one of the most believable brother-sister relationships I've ever seen put to screen. I watched an episode the other day, Ben. We yes. don't have enough time to talk about it. But oh, my favourite quote from Mabel was, she sees an ad in a magazine for a... What's that, Ben? That's, you take a look at that there now. Uh, we, she, has a, she sees an ad in a magazine and it says, human-sized hamster ball. And her reaction is, I'm human-sized. <laughs> Brilliant. She is an incredibly well-written character. And again, a good example of straight guy versus uh, funny guy. Mm. Mabel being the funny guy in this particular yeah, case. She's the loose um, unit. And Dipper being the straight guy. But it works really well. And again, a lot of mutual respect. One of the things that I think is really written quite well in Gravity Falls is when they have conflict between mm. them as a pair and you see that they're children again and you're restored to this thing of, they get very cranky with each other yeah and petty and you petty and i think it's it's very well written in that regard 
And then I suppose we had other examples again. One of the big ones that we got was Woody and Buzz. Woody and Buzz are a good team. Which is probably a fantastic look at, at growth and development in friendship. Mm. I don't like this podcast, Michael. I don't like this no, podcast. That's, oh, nice, that's a nice one, isn't it? Yeah. But Woody and Buzz are that. And that got me thinking about Disney in general. I think Disney have really cracked the code on buddy partnerships. Who said Woody and Buzz? Uh, Woody and Buzz was given to art? us by Infinity Action Figure Art. Um, and Great. It, Instagram channel. He said it might seem like a strange choice, but actually Infinity Action Art, I think you've nailed on the head that one. Nail on the head. <laughs> that one i'm having a small stroke here ladies and gentlemen um but it got me thinking about in general how how a lot of the disney films really nail um on screen duos, duos. Go in on. quite a, a good way you're just gonna have to list them because we've got about four minutes left there's some really interesting ones i think they balance mute characters with talkative characters really well so a good example of that would be genie and the carpet Yo, um, right. in aladdin or Mushu and the Cricket in Milan, where you have this interesting rivalry between two characters, but they also get on very well. Uh, one of the scenes that sticks out to me in my memory all the time from Aladdin is when he and the carpet, when Genie and the carpet are playing poker together. It's absolutely hilarious. When um, Mushu and the Cricket are typing the letter fakely, and Mushu is reading the letter going, this isn't good enough, you have to do it again. And it's a good comedic duo. And we can see that again and again come up in Disney. I haven't seen Milan. Um, you haven't seen Milan? Mm. Oh, you should. It's a very, very good um, duo. A very, very good film in general. But it's it's well worth a watch. I will not be watching the live action one because they've taken the songs out, Michael. I'll still watch it. I'll, I'll have to because we do a podcast on pop culture things. Yeah. God, damn uh, <laughs> God damn it. But one of the more modern examples of that where they really nailed it square between the eyes was... The Cagney Emperor's, and Lacey. The Emperor's... Uh, <laughs> Am I Cagney or Lacey? I think I'm Lacey. You're Lacey. You're uh, I'm Cagney. It's the Emperor's New Groove. I've um, seen it. Again, very late era Disney Renaissance animation style. Is there a um, goat? There's a. It's a llama. Oh, okay. It's a llama, and it's uh, the goat of the mountain. No, that's a mountain goat. <laughs> so uh, one of, there are two great on-screen relationships at work there. There's Pancha, voiced by John Goodman. I definitely got that name wrong, but it's Pancha, and then there's Emperor Cusco. Mm-hmm. Um, and it voiced by David Spade of all people. David Spade. Um, yeah, but he does a great job of it. And again, reluctant partnership. One of those classic, um, again, road road trip kind of buddy buddy buddies pair ups where Cusco promises Poncha his land back if he gets him to the palace back to where he needs to be to transform back into a human. And the other great duo that's there is Yzma and Kronk, which are the two villains. Yzma is the nefarious, kind of calculated villain, and Kronk is the dopey henchman, voiced by Patrick Warburton, of all oh, people. Very good. Um, and it's fantastic to watch those two play off each other. So I think Disney really has kind of mastered that element of the formula. I mean, you can see it in their more modern movies as well. Moana, Maui, and Moana herself have mm-hmm. a great kind of begrudging good, partnership. Good, yeah, good partnership. Um, and I think Disney always do a great job of showing how those relationships can build um, and develop as time go by. You would think that the likes then of Sam and Dean wouldn't be a good duo. Sammy! I suppose they're not iconic as a duo, are they? Because they're a bit too similar. I think people pick their favourite. Yeah. You're either a Sam or a Dean. I prefer Dean. I prefer Dean. Dean yeah. is a much better character, yeah. I think, overall. Sam you, was very you, poorly written. You stole Dean's haircut. In a couple of minutes. Many people have said that I, when I was younger, mm-hmm. looked like a younger uh, Jensen Ackles. And that's a big pat on the shoulder for me. That's and it's a, a very arrogant statement to make. But the, what many people have said... 
In fact, I was mistaken the first time we ever did a Comic Con video for a bloody Dean. <laughs> yeah, you were uh, several Kate times. Kate. <laughs> several you times. The, you were the baby goose. Um, but yeah, sure. Anyway, look, ladies and gentlemen, who are your favorite on-screen duos? Do you have any? Did you agree with anything we said here? What did you think of the first Men in Black film? It's great. Uh, let us know. If you'd like us to, if you'd like to see us cover a topic here on the tiny room, there are many ways. On the tiny room. No, on the Michael and Benjamin's podcast produced it's not by the, the tiny room. It's not the. Produced by tiny room. No. <laughs> the tiny room. But Michael and Benjamin. 115 episodes, Ben. God damn it. Michael and Benjamin's podcast. The tiny room. Start again. <laughs> what a dynamic duo. <laughs> This is the last podcast. <laughs> Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Join us next week for the Michael Leonard podcast. Yay! He's all by himself in a room. Um, you can get in touch with us a bunch of ways to do that. We are on Instagram. Instagram. Uh, we have our own website, shomerbeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Uh, you can drop us an email. You can keep up to date with what we're up to. Yeah. Um, if I keep the website up to date. If you keep the website up to date. Which I generally do. He generally does. He's quite good at that. We are also on YouTube. If you want to check us out there, you can find us on SoundCloud or I, uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. A review on Apple Podcasts while you're there would be absolutely fantastic. Worth, uh, like a picture, it is worth a thousand words. It is worth a thousand words. If you are one of the committed listeners on YouTube, give us a comment. It always helps us to get analytics. Is this pushy? Absolutely. But you love us. A like, apparently, Ben. A like. You a like is... Can't beat a like. Can't beat a like. Mm. Throw us now a like there, lads. Um, and you can hear us on Spotify absolutely free of charge. Yeah. So that's it from us for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Bye.